Hey Regina, how are you doing? Uh not but can uh okay. Can you see me? I can see you. I can see you. I can see you. Thank you for making the time. Okay. Thank you too. I'm glad that I could I, I've been having some challenges, but I'm glad that I could make it. Yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. Uh, so find a stable position so that okay. we can begin the show here. Uh, I just thank everybody who has been patiently okay. waiting. Uh, yeah, you can. You, is is there a way that you can move uh, just slightly so that? Uh, oh, I lost Regina here. Now I just want to thank everybody who has joined us for the show today. My name is Simon Okelo, and I am in Seattle, Washington. Uh, I'm hosting another author uh, who is involved with remembering the future. Her name is Regina Bukenya. Oh, her name is Regina Sinde. <laughs> her name is Regina Sinde. And uh, Regina is going to be coming back in just a moment. But for now, I just want you to take a second and go to the website where you will be able to learn more about the book that we are discussing today. Uh, remember that um, the book we are talking about is called Remembering the Future and it features some of the most incredible thinkers and authors uh, from Uganda. And so in just a moment, we are going to be joined here by uh, Regina, who is one of them. Uh, so give me one moment um, as we bring Regina on here. Uh, hey, Regina. Sorry, Simon. It's really terrible. It just breaks off. No problem. No problem. So just move slightly. Uh, move slightly. Uh, this other. Yeah. Keep going. Oh. The other way. The other way. Right there. Right there. Right there. Okay. Okay. Is okay. That yeah. Oh. Just stay there. Okay. Yeah. Just stay there. Okay. 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 No problem. How are you doing today, Regina? Ah, uh, not bad. Okay. I'm. Uh, I'm well. Okay. I'm well. And, okay. And I'm glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Let's take advantage of this stable connection that we currently have. Uh, I want us to begin by talking about an amazing Ghanaian proverb that is going to ground our conversation today. I want to put it on the screen there. It says, honey catches more flies than vinegar. Honey catches more flies than vinegar. Uh, Regina, Share with me what you think about this proverb in just one minute. But I quickly just want to speak about it. Um, you know, for those who are joining us for the first time, uh, we do this every Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. East African Time. And we share this kind of proverbs to ground ourselves in our culture. And so today's proverb uh, has three nuggets of wisdom that I want you to consider, but also as you're watching, I want you to share your own comments down below. Share your own thoughts in regards to this proverb. My three nuggets of wisdom, the first one says that uh, a kind word is like an array of sunshine on a gloomy day. You know, that's the first nugget of wisdom. The second one is that kindness is mm. the language um, the blind can see and the deaf can hear, you know. 
and uh, i just lost uh, regina here again she'll be back soon she'll be back soon and then finally the last nugget of wisdom says that a kind act is never wasted you know so this uh, particular proverb is really uh, you know reminding us about the value of um, the value of uh, you know sharing kindness no matter what what kind of feedback we are getting by our actions you know uh, you know being kind is really like investing it's like investing in a relationship investing let's see let's see if regina is going to join me back here okay regina there you are okay well i'm really sorry about this no oh problem my God. no problem and i so, tried my best i tried my best to move away into a better space i thought things would be okay well things are just okay so speak about this proverb then we go into uh, a little more depth of our conversation today okay uh honey catches more flies than than vinegar it is one of those sayings that my mother loves a lot you know uh and sure is tells me this because i i tend to be a very uh can i say direct person and uh and and i think basically and and, and sometimes sure tells me like no if you could just be a little bit more gentle so it is basically teaching you like gentleness as you said gentleness and kindness you don't always have to be brutal you don't have to always uh be aggressive you you, you it's just a, if you if you're gentle you're able to to get more of what you want than if you are if, if if you speak uh with all brutality and all uh, and, and be so aggressive and i think also there are sometimes uh where we we are tempted to to, to assume that uh you have to use force to be able to get what you want but then it says like no it, it doesn't always have to be forceful uh, if being gentle uh, and just uh okay so like it's basically in that aspect of as a woman you don't need to you, you if you are gentle and, and 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 submissive and 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 then you'll be able to achieve much more than if you decided to be aggressive and you decided to 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 be direct and brutal thank you wonderful wonderful thank you very much uh regina and uh for those who are joining us thank you for taking your time make sure you subscribe to the channel i am joined here by an incredible leader author and also the founder of you know uh, the managing director of wordsmith publications uganda limited and i just lost her again so you love to bear with me uh it's not her fault i think it's just her connection and maybe her familiarity with the with the platform that we're using for today's conversation so you have to forgive me for that uh regardless we are going to continue with the conversation uh i want to encourage you to subscribe to the channel i want to encourage you to get a copy of the book that uh regina is featured on uh and for me the beauty of doing this show is really being able to engage with those who are even farther away uh and have limited access to the internet and so going through these challenges for me is one of the most important pieces of making this work happen you know uh regina you seem to be in a, even a nicer place so don't even move now 
<laughs> no, I've, I've just decided to change fonts. I, I hope my audio is okay because I've it's changed the fonts and this font that yeah. I'm using now doesn't have a headset. So that's fine. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just introducing you as the edit. You are an, you are a publisher. You are an editor. You are an author passionate about, uh, you know, social change and environmental justice. But all of this started from somewhere, you know. So I want you to take us back to a time when you're maybe 8 to 12 years old uh, and share with us a story, something that inspired you to do all this incredible work that you do. So uh, I, I, uh, my, my mother and my father separated when I was five years old. And... Uh, no, they separated when I was seven, but let me begin the story from when I was five years old. So when I was five years old, my father won a scholarship to go uh, for further studies in Scotland. And uh, he, he traveled to Scotland and he was in Scotland for two years. And uh, so we remained home. We were four children at that time. We remained home with, our with, with, with my mother. Uh, in those two years, things happened for both my mother and my father. So after two years, when my dad came back from Scotland, in that very year that he came back, my mom had a new a newborn baby, and my father also came back with another family. So they could just not uh, continue the relationship. So they, they had to separate. And uh, we had to go with our father. And my dad picked us. I remember the time he came back, I was so excited because dad is finally back. And then he came and uh, he didn't, he came just saw us briefly, I think. And then he, he didn't sleep, he didn't spend the night. But then the next day he came back with a, with a car and he packed everything uh, that belonged to us. And, and uh, we were taken to, 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 to where we were supposed to be staying, where his, his new family, my stepmother. But because we were living in Entebbe at that time, my, we, we used to consume fish a lot as a family. And to date, I still enjoy fish in all forms of fish, fish fillet, fish fingers, whatever kind of fish I enjoy it, smoked fish, dry fish, whatever it is. So I remember my, my stepmother uh, not allowing us to enter the house because she said we were stinking of fish and she was not willing to have uh, children stinking of fish getting into our house to destroy uh, her house. So we had to sleep on the sh uh, under the shed outside. And the next day, my dad, of course, had to take it upon himself to bathe us and do all those kinds of things. But then from that time, I think the separation of my mother and my dad really got to me and traumatized me in, in so much. And also uh, getting into a new community, I didn't know my stepmother was into our tribe. So the language spoken at home was English. I did not speak English. And uh, I just had issues settling in within the family. And a few times later, but I, I felt like that is the time when I wanted to learn this new language that my father's family was, the new family that he had. And I learned how to, 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 to write and read, even though I didn't understand most of the things. So I would read my stepsister's books. I didn't understand most of the things, but I just wanted to learn how to read and write the language that they were speaking, which was English. And uh, so for me, 
uh, I learned how to, to write English before I learned how to speak it. <laughs> so I learned how to write English before I could learn how to speak it. But also writing for me as a child growing up in such a dysfunctional family was because was, was a, survive, a means of surviving. It was the only thing that I could really understand in all these things that were happening around me. And so I could only uh, find an escape. Uh, when I read about those different stories, I remember one of my very favorite stories when I was a young child was the concubine. And, I, and, and it was just so amazing. And I think also I've always had a passion for the spiritual things, I think. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I loved reading the Bible stories. I loved uh, reading all kinds of, of anything spiritual. I loved watching anything spiritual. So for me, it was at that point, because I, I, I was maybe trying to make sense of my life. I don't know. But that's, that is what has really uh, shaped my life. Uh, my passion for reading and writing was, uh, it was uh, engraved from that point of, I needed to fit into the new family that my father had with, with my stepmother. And I just, I felt the only means I could do that was through reading and writing. Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you really had a very, very uh, complex childhood, but rewarding at the end. You know, it, it gave you the courage to learn uh, how to write mm. before you could even read in English. Uh, and now I have a better understanding of why you've been an author of so many books. Uh, you've written so many materials. <laughs> now I know why. So out of all these uh, books uh, and pieces that you've written in the past, why is uh, remembering the future so important to you? Uh, why is being a part of this project really important to you? I think being a part of this, uh, the, the Remembering the Future project is very important to me because one, it tells my story. Okay, part of my story, <laughs> part of my, my story. And, it, and, and I remember the first time when uh, we started talking, having conversations uh, around the, the, the story. We, I, I was actually meant to write a chapter uh, around the, the funeral, the, the, the funeral uh, rituals uh, of our people. And I, I, I even, I, it wasn't me supposed to, to tell the story. I was supposed to just be the writer and uh, get the storyteller. We even went and met the storyteller. We wrote us. I wrote a story. He told the story, which I wrote. Uh, one of the the the, the fumbo artists, the, the people who play the the, the music, the funeral music, funeral songs, traditional funeral songs. But then later on, somehow the story kept transitioning to the point like now we were no longer, I was no longer just a writer, but also the storyteller in, in some way or the other. Because it was, I was that at that point of my life where I was grappling with uh, my traditional religion and also uh, the religion that I, the, 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 the Christian, Christian faith. And uh, I, I had, I, as I mentioned before, that I've always been drawn to the spiritual things. And for me, spirituality has been some of those mysteries that, that, that I've always uh, thought about and I've always been drawn towards them. 
And so my that spiritual aspect, the traditional aspect of my culture was something that I was so close to it. So writing this, the, taking part in this project helped me to, to go through, work through those different elements, to try to understand the different things that, that have happened, the different decisions that I have made to the point that at this point I was, I, 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 I reached a point and I was like, no, I'm ready to let go of my traditional religion, my traditional spiritual and embrace the Christian uh, faith we, uh, because of the different things, the good things, the, the salvation, the hope, the, 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 the hope and, and the goodness that I have found, the comfort and, and the love that I have found in the Christian faith vis-a-vis -vis the pain and everything else that I faced when I was still practicing the traditional religion. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, now, for those who are joining us, thank you again for making the time for today's episode of the Afia podcast. My guest today is Asinde Regina, who is one of the featured authors in the uh, Remembering the Future book. Remembering the Future book is an amazing book featuring some of the most incredible authors in Uganda. Uh, she has a copy over there. And if you want uh, your own copy, you can go to ugandamemories.com or you can go to Amazon or you can go to Ibua Publishing in Uganda. Regina, do you want to uh, share with us your favorite excerpt uh, in the book? Uh, since you have it in your hands, just open it up and read for us your favorite excerpt uh, of the chapter that you wrote. Okay. Uh... So let me start from, okay, uh, I can say I don't really have a favorite except, but I was, uh, uh, it being my story kind of speaks to me throughout, but then I'm going to, to read from uh, this point of, uh, let me start. Okay. Silence was also my language of love with grandmother. She spoke to me through stories. She taught every lesson through one tale or another, often about plants and animals that talked and displayed human, char human characteristics. It seemed she always had a story ready to feed my curious mind. But there, were also, but there also were moments of silence when we just sat and listened to nature, which was full of life around us. Both my father and grandmother ignited in me a longing for the knowledge and wisdom. Sorry, Simon, I'm reading from page 147. Problem, page no 147. Yeah. No problem. Okay. Hey, Regina, before you continue, I see that there are quite a few people listening to our conversation today. I just, if you're watching this on YouTube, please comment with your thoughts as we are continuing with the conversation. I want to make sure that I engage with you towards the end of our time with Regina today. Go ahead, Regina. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Both my father and grandmother ignited me a longing for the knowledge and wisdom I sensed they both held. The family followed the Catholic faith, but my father became a Mormon during a period he lived in Scotland. The new wife he brought home also had converted, so we practiced Mormonism. I no longer understood the world in which I lived, why my father had left only to come home with a new family, why my mother was no longer part of our lives, why I had to be sent to live with my grandparents, why I then had to be taken from my grandparents and sent to a boarding school, and why I had to go for holidays 
to a home where the language spoken was totally foreign. My stepmother was of a different tribe, so we spoke English, which I did not know. I chose to hide in stories, to escape to worlds where children were loved, people sought truths and found them, where there was a spiritual power controlling and determining their future, where battles were fought and won or lost, where heroes failed and cried and got broken, but there was always hope, a promise of better things to come. The amazing stories of the Bible and the Book of Mormon fed my yearning mind, though I was frightened by the notion that we were in the last days, the end times, and that if Christ found me unworthy, I would be damned forever. Grandmother was a devout Catholic who recited the rosary and knew all the novenas that had to be said at various times. She also paid, she always paid her tithe on time, went to church on Sunday, and was the first to commit to anything that needed to be done at church. But she was also the very embodiment of a traditional person. Maybe she adopted Catholicism easily because the entire way of life of the Jopadola from conception to death was wrapped up in customs that had to be followed to the last letter. For them, Catholicism was just another set of rituals people had to practice without question, even if they did not quite understand them. Should I continue? <laughs> I want you to I want you to pause there for a moment. Uh, you are such a great reader. Uh, I wish this internet was not even a problem at the beginning. Yeah, I'll let you continue for a moment, but I want to ask our viewers who are, who are watching this, if you haven't got a copy for yourself, a copy of this book, uh, Regina, can you show them the cover of the book that you're reading from? Yeah, Remembering the Future is the name, name of the book. And this book, if, if you've all been following the African Father in America podcast, I've featured a lot of authors uh, on the show that are part of this book, and I want you to support them. So go to ugandamemories.com, go to Amazon, uh, get a copy, and if you're in Uganda, go to Ibua Publishing and also get a copy for yourself. Uh, and uh, since Regina is such a great reader, why don't you read for us maybe one more, uh, one more paragraph or two and then we can come back uh, because I have quite a few questions uh, in regards to what you've already read. Okay, please. Thank you so much, Simon. So uh, I'm not going to continue from where I ended. Let me jump uh, a little bit to uh, at the point where my dad, my dad, my uncle died, and my dad uh, danced the funeral dance at my uncle's wake. Uh, this is page 149. So um, my uncle's funeral taught me much about the Jupadola way of dealing with death. During his funeral, we slept in the compound on dry banana leaves and participated in, in, a num in various traditional rituals. As, it, as is the custom among the Jupadola, he was bathed and dressed in his best clothes. A fire was kept burning for him and friends, in-laws and relatives who came to keep vigil. After a few days, the fire was allowed to burn out. The ashes were collected and poured at the foot of a banana plant. A cock or chicken was slaughtered as a sacrifice and a meal was prepared for the mourners. Millet beer was also offered to the deceased. According to custom, my uncle's body was wrapped in white sheets and blankets brought by his children, sisters, brothers, and parents. The number of sheets and blankets shows how much a deceased person was loved or valued. Each clan has a specific compass direction that the head of the deceased should face when buried. Men are buried in front of their homes to signify what they are, 
to signify that they are the heads of the homes and still watch over them. Wives are buried next to their husbands so they can keep each other company, while children are buried near their grandparents so they can provide company to each other. Twin children used to be buried under the verandas of their parents' houses, just outside where their parents slept. But this practice ceased with the construction of permanent houses, often with cement verandas. Twins are believed not to die. Though, twins are believed not to die though, so it is taboo to mourn them with loud wails or even tears, especially if one of them, if one of the of a set of twins is still living. It is taboo even to say that a twin has died. Instead, they are said to have just taken a walk to the spiritual realm. Uh, such funeral rituals and norms are found with minimal variations in most tribes within Uganda. But the funeral dance I saw my father perform is unique to the, to the Japadola. Women punctuate the beat of the long fumbo drum with shrill anguished wails inter interspersed with recitations of their relationships with the deceased and blow by blow narration of how he died. At my uncle's funeral, the dancers, mostly women and children, occupied a makeshift arena in front of the house where the corpse lay. Periodically, a group of the women danced to the doorway of the house and called out my uncle's name, begging him to get up and speak to them. Some women danced away from the house, all the time narrating his life story and asking who would be doing the things he used to do. Most of these mourners carried items that belonged to him, while others tied different garments of his around their waists. My late uncle had been the head teacher of a nearby primary school, a cousin of mine carried his briefcase and played the role of him walking home after a long day at school. Some kept telling him to send their regards to other deceased relatives, giving him different messages to deliver to the spiritual realm. My father made no sound as he danced. The only testaments to his anguish were the silent tears running down his face and the frenzied movements of his big body, trying to keep pace with the throbbing drums. He was not schooled in the art of dance and his movements were not coordinated. Apparently, his body was just responding instinctively to commands from the drums, wails, and his emotions. I saw my father again about five months later. I had gone home from the boarding school where I was studying for my, for my uh, Uganda Advanced Certificate in Education. He wasn't feeling well, battling with a persistent cough that he said had been diagnosed as pneumonia. One morning, when, while he picked maize from the small garden in front of the house, I saw something that left me shaken and confused. He called out to me, telling me to light the charcoal stove on which we would roast the maize. When I looked up to where he stood, all I could see was a skeleton, bare bones with no flesh, speaking to me. I was frightened and I looked away very fast. When I looked back, the skeleton was gone and all I saw was my big father. He died a few weeks later. I traveled home to our village, Mulanda, with my two sisters. Our arrival triggered wails and urges. As I stood before my father's corpse lying on the bed in the sitting room, I saw grandmother seated silently at the head of the bed. I moved to her and stared down at her in silence. After a few seconds, she said, your son is gone. He is normal. Referring to me as herself may sound strange, but even my father called me mother. Perhaps the family's attitude bespoke a deeper reality. From early in my life, I had a soul tie with grandmother. It would be a source of much pain later. I don't remember much about the rest of the day, except that later that night, my siblings, close relatives, and I danced through the night for my father. By the time his body was lowered into the grave the next day, all I felt was an overpowering sense of connectedness to him, 
though I didn't see him, I knew he was watching over me. Thank you. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, it's like a movie, you know, the way you write is really like, it's it's like a movie and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of what you shared is really like my own traditional way of, uh, you know, uh, you know, sending off loved ones, you know. Uh, Amaluo and jo Jopadola are one of our, you know, are one of our yeah. peoples, you know. And so, yeah, yeah. So, so it was incredible to really understand that your burial traditions are exactly the same. The way that um, you know uh, people spoke about the deceased, the way that people asked them to send their regards and their messages to their ancestors who. Who, who went uh, away before the the deceased uh, is very similar. Mm. The dances, you know, the dances were very spiritual. And, uh, mm. you know, not everybody uh, was actually taken over by the spirit in order to do the dance, you know. Sometimes it's the immediate mm. children or the siblings, but sometimes it's just a relative who... You know, you hear them coming from far and they're already wailing and everybody would say, oh, that's auntie so-and-so. And, you know, the women were so crucial to this sending uh, sending off of uh, deceased ones. Um, so I, I was just fascinated by everything you shared. Uh, you know, uh, quite a bit of sadness, but also a lot of joy and jubilation. Uh, and really for me, this is really important because I'm in the diaspora and a lot of the time people say that those who are in the diaspora are lost. They don't know their tradition. They don't know their culture. And so uh, you and me talking now also helps some of us who uh, just miss uh, the stories and miss uh, understanding uh, where we come from, uh, how we take care of our loved ones when they are gone. Uh, so the work mm. that you're doing, uh, the stories that you're telling are going to go further than you might think, you know. Um, so Thank just you. two Thank things. You. Yeah, yeah. two things before we wrap mm. up. Uh, number one, to our viewers and listeners, make sure you leave a comment. Give this video a thumbs up because I want to read some of your comments in just a moment. Uh, and if you're watching later on, uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. That's really, really important. Uh, Regina. Is there one thing that I did not ask you during our conversation today that you want to speak about? Um, okay. Um, I can say the one thing that uh, maybe it kind of comes in in the story, but I'm not going to read the entire story. I'll ask people to buy the book and read the story by themselves. But then uh, one thing that I really love talking about is... Uh, and why why I really love this project is uh, my Christian faith. You know, uh, you know, increasingly we see in Africa uh, a generation of people. I think it's not only in Africa, maybe probably in other spaces too. But I can speak to Africa. We are seeing uh, increasingly people who who claim not to believe in 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 Jesus. Uh, who don't even want to associate with Jesus, and uh, because they feel that uh, Christianity is a tool of, it, it is a colonial tool that was uh, used to brainwash Africans and 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 do all sorts of atrocities. 
and it might be true in one or the other. But then uh, personally, I, I always love to profess my Christian faith. Uh, and I can say uh, with all pride uh, that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior because of the, the difference, because I have lived in both worlds. as I, I have practiced both spiritualities, the traditional African religion spirituality, and then the Christian uh, Christianity. And I can say with all confidence that I, I have found peace, I have found joy, and I have found love in the Christian faith. Uh, the kind of love that I was not able to find in, in the African traditional religion. And so many times when uh, I, I, I know probably in some of the spaces that other people are in, I, I see increasingly uh, people get, getting re religion or Christianity out of schools, out of churches, I mean, out of public spaces. Uh, in Uganda, I think when, you, you know, every time we are supposed to have any gathering, usually the first item on the agenda is prayer. But then these days, increasingly when you go into public spaces people will say prayer and then they're like okay because we are we, we don't want to be uh be seen as discriminatory so we pray to some some being that we don't mention and 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 for me i find like we need to we we are losing ourselves as a people we we are because the the the, the human the a, a human being is spiritual we we are three in one we are spiritual we are we are bodies and we are souls and the moment we lose uh touch with our spirituality then we will be allowing more evil we will be seeing increasingly more evil we'll be seeing increasingly uh, more catastrophes happening in our lives we'll be seeing all these different things i think and and we see a lot of things that are happening we see a lot of mental health challenges and all those things because we are losing touch with our spirituality and and I, and, and and i want to say this with all confidence that in this world there's always a side that you're on. You're either in one kingdom or the other. There are only two kingdoms. You're either in the kingdom of light or in the kingdom of darkness. There's no, no middle ground, no neutrality. There's, there's, it doesn't exist because this world is, 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 a, it is a physical world which is controlled by the spiritual world. So you need to decide which is your spiritual part of it. What is that spiritual attachment that you have to it? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm uh, probably putting you at risk of being no, no, no. that. <laughs> I, I see I see how passionate you are about uh, the Christian faith, you know. Uh, and if I, if I was interviewing a, a Muslim author, if there was a Muslim author featured on the book, they might express the same kind of uh, passion, you know. I have also interviewed uh, traditional African uh, spiritual leaders who have uh, extreme... Uh, knowledge and faith and belief in in african spiritual way of being you know uh but at the end of the day you go to bed by yourself and your yeah. your your spiritual belief makes you comfortable and each of these other people go to bed by themselves you know uh and you wake up by yourself when you die you die by yourself so it ends up being just for you you know what you believe is just for yeah. you uh, if you choose to speak about it like you are, it's just for you. If you choose to mm. not speak about it, it's still for you, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm so happy that, that now people know your conviction and uh, whatever they choose to do with it, it's also for them. You know, for me, uh, I am a conduit, you know. 
uh, I'm a conduit mm. that allows everybody to express themselves uh, and it's fine. There is no controversy about it, you know. Uh, I just appreciate your passion for what you believe in. I appreciate you sharing your your commitment to uh, the literacy, uh, the literal world, uh, especially African uh, authors and writers. We need more, you know. Uh, but also we need more stories about traditional African way of being. You know, we need more people writing. Even if you're a Christian, you can't write yeah. about Christianity more than uh, the people who already wrote the Bible. But uh, you can write about traditional African ways of being because you lived it and uh, you can't run away from it. So we, we, I would just urge you to keep writing because you're so gifted at it. Uh, keep writing more about you know, these stories, these stories, because we need more, you know, <laughs> we need more. Anyway, thank you. Yeah. Let me read some of the comments from our our listeners and our viewers. Uh, Francis Jones says that uh, he's, he has been looking forward to the show today. Uh, Harold Charles says that he's joining us from Kisumu, Kenya. And Stephen Okot says that this is another wonderful story. I like the part of the dance with the dead. <laughs> interesting, interesting comment there. We weren't able to meet Regina during our trip, but her story was one of the best that we read uh, and wanted to film. So Stephen is actually one of the uh, team members, my team members that came to Uganda mm -hmm. uh, to film okay. the short documentary about this book and is also watching. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, Chris Conti, who edited this book is also watching. Uh, thank you again for the opportunity to spend time with uh, people like Regina, uh, Chris, and also I saw that Edna Namara is watching. I want to see all of your guys' comments down there, by the way, whether it's later on or now. I just want to see your names commenting. <laughs> That's the stamp of approval that you watched this. But anyhow, Regina, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Have a nice weekend. And uh, I'll watch this again because a lot of the things you said are really, really moving. Go ahead. You want to say something? Uh, I, I want to say uh, thank you to you. But I also want to say thank you to all the members that uh, the authors, the different authors that worked, uh, that uh, took time and uh, reached out to different people. The ones who told other people's stories, the ones who told their own stories. And uh, as you said, that it is very important that we get these stories told and, and i was to say thank you to chris to to chris conte is a uh, really uh, an editor that is very open you know given uh that is not african but then he's able to to understand and uh talk through these different things some of them are very difficult conversations that we had in the process of making the book and and writing and i want to say he's really very patient and very open to learning you know uh many times you find that some people want to impose their ideas impose their 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 thoughts on on on, on an author's work but then with chris it's totally like he's that open to learning and many times you're like no this is not it this is what i want to say and and you would be open to learning that i would also want to say thank you to hilda who was the the ugandan 
editor, uh, Tronjere, who worked also uh, on the, 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 the aspect of it. And uh, I, I want to really say this book is one of that book that really archives a lot of uh, the traditional. As you said that, uh, I'm very passionate about uh, being an African, <laughs> because I'm African anyway, but then, uh, and, and, but most of all about the story, the, the African story. You know, the African story, although there's nothing like the African story, but you know, uh, the, those stories that we have lived through, and it's one of those things that I always try to write. I, I, I have read, uh, written a number of stories. Uh, recently, someone told me like, you're a Christian, but you don't have a Christian story. This is my first Christian story. But then <laughs> I always write a lot of uh, stories because I believe we are first losing out on our stories, on our values, on, uh, on what makes us African. And uh, we can only be able to capture that if we go back and listen to the stories. You know, the saying that when an old person dies, an, uh, an entire granary, I'll not talk about a, a library, but I'll talk about a granary of knowledge as burned down. It's very true. And, and we in, Af in Uganda, particularly because we are really a young generation, unfortunately, we are losing out on so much knowledge because you know, we are having the older generation dying out. And also the, the current system of life is not the system that we live through. When I was growing up, I grew up with my grandmother. When I had challenges in my life, I would go to my grandmother. I would sit at the feet of my grandmother. The current uh, social systems are different. You know, uh, children sometimes are speaking totally two dif different languages from their grandparents. And so there is no way we are passing on because Africans, we are oral people. It is the lessons are passed on through the stories that we hear, they are passed on verbally. But now, uh, no offense made, if you're living in the US and your parents are living in Uganda, uh, your children are missing out on that information, on that knowledge that they would have picked from their grandparents. And even not even far away like that, but even just within the city. So it is something that as writers, we, I, I really feel passionate that we need to write. We need to write as faster. Unfortunately, we are losing out on the knowledge faster than we can write, but we can try. And so when people like Conte come up, when you come up to, 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 to post us on your show, it is also really to really share our stories and, and also it might not be the entire stories, but you are open, you're providing a platform for that knowledge, those nuggets of wisdom through the proverbs, you, you are archiving, you're doing the work of archiving, which is very important. So, okay, I've said so many things, but <laughs> that is it. Thank yeah, you so we, much. We will have you back on the show. Now, now you see where you are, the phone you have, the connection you have is perfect for this show. So we will have you thank back you. again uh, and we will talk a lot more. I just thank you for taking the time and uh, enjoy uh, en enjoy a little bit of, um, uh, what is it called? What is this thing made out of banana and the, and the, uh, and you know, the peanut, the peanuts, uh, the peanut, is it the peanut soup? Okay. Yeah. Huh? Oh, matoke and, matoke. and, and, and granite soup. Yes, enjoy that for me this weekend. <laughs> okay. Now, now I, uh, I, I, I enjoy more of Kalo. 
Of Kwon, uh, I love Kwon, I love Kwon and, and Rech. You call it Rech too? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. okay. <laughs> uh, okay do you eat Ngege and Buta as well? Mm. Okay. That's beautiful, that's beautiful. We, Take care. Yeah, we do eat Buta, yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Take okay. care, bye-bye. Bye. America. <laughs> You are listening to African Father in America podcast by Simon Javanokele, live from Seattle, Washington.